0: of God. Open us in prayer. You can be seen. You're visiting with us today here at Powell's Chapel. You have a special welcome. We want you to feel right at home and come back anytime the doors are open. I promise you this, you will feel a warm welcome. We'll treat you so many ways you've got to like one of them. <laughs> Good to be in the house of the Lord. I'm so thankful that God has given me the honor, and I do underscore that honor, to serve here at Powell's Chapel with you, my brothers and sisters, and our Lord. It's always a pleasure. Every time the the doors are open is to try to be here in his house. Jared, thank you so much for reading those passages of scripture. Rob, thank you for leading us as we worship the Lord in in song. As I said, if you're a, a visitor here, you're a special guest. And pray that the Lord will bless you and meet your need today. Today we're going to be bringing a message that the Lord has laid upon our heart from the book of the Revelation. It's in chapter number 2 and verse number 1 through verse number 7. As Brother Jared has already read those passages to you. I want to begin this message with a couple of questions for you personally. Personally, the way that you can look at these passages of scripture is one of three ways. You can look at these scriptures prophetically. You can look at those scriptures and look back at the seven churches of Asia, and as some believe, each church represents a different dispensation of time. You can look at these passages of scripture practically. You can look at these passages and say they belong to each individual church, and you can take what the Lord has written in a personal letter, and I want you to remember that. This is our Lord Jesus Christ' personal letter to each church. And it is just as true in the church 2,000 years later. And then you can take it as a personal note. What is it that the Lord is saying to me? What is it that this message, this letter, that our Lord Jesus Christ has personally sent saying to me? It's the way I'd like for you to look at it today. And I want to begin, as I said, with two questions personally to you. I want to know, did you know that we have a special, honored guest here today? Do you know that? Did you see him? You know who it is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. We're told here in these first verses that he walks in the midst of the golden lampstand. And when you look back at Revelation chapter 1 and verse number 20, he interprets who the candlestick is and who the lampstands are. He tells us in that passage, Revelation chapter number 1 and verse 20, listen to this. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, and the seven stars are the angels. Now, that word angel there doesn't mean some type of little fluttering guy that floats around, you know, but it is a messenger. It is a messenger. It's the actual pastor to that church. So if we wanted to put it in modern day terms, there is our angel. There is our messenger from God that he has sent to Powell's Chapel Baptist Church. That's the star. The lampstand is the church itself where the light of the Lord shines? We're told in chapter 2 and verse number 1 that he walks in the midst of that lampstand. So, folks, I want you to answer that first question with this. That honored guest that's in this congregation this morning, that is in the midst of this church, is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's here. He'll never leave us, never forsake us. We have that promise that he walks in the midst of the lampstands. And I hope that that will make you come to some type of a realization that whenever you come into the house of God, that we don't come into the house of God just thinking about, well, this is what I've got to do today. I've got so much to get accomplished during the church service. You come into the house of God understanding that Jesus Christ is here in our midst, and we come for one purpose and one purpose only, and that's to worship Him. That's what we're here for. He's here in our midst. He deserves our worship, He deserves our praise. Whenever we're we're singing songs of praise to Him, He's here, He's listening. And the second question I want to ask you this morning is do you remember who he really is? Who he really is? Personally, that's questions that we need to answer ourselves every time that we come in to the house of God. Do you know that the Lord is among us? You know, if the governor of this state were to grace us with his presence here today, I'm sure that there would be a lot of different reactions from some of us, probably all of us. Oh, we'd want to be there, and, you know, the house would be busting wide open. There would be people that we'd never seen, some people that we hadn't seen in years. You know, because the governor's there. Well, let me tell you something this morning, folks. Someone mightier, greater, more holy, more loving than the governor is here today. Did you come to worship him? Did you come with your mind set aside that, hey, I'm coming to the house of God today, not focused on the things that I've got to get accomplished, but I'm coming to the house of God to strictly worship him. He's worthy. Let's go through these passages of scripture this morning And I want to give this message a title. And I told Brother Todd earlier in the week that the Lord had impressed me with a title in this particular message here as our Lord personally writes this letter to the church of Ephesus. The title that I was going to give this message, and I'll probably still leave it there, but I've got another title I want to kind of hang with it, is Oh, How I Loved Jesus. And then the second part of the title, I want to hang on it, is A Cure from the Common Cold. A Cure for the Common Cold. So let's go through these passages and walk through them just a little bit here and see what the Lord would allow us to glean from these passages of Scripture this morning. Unto the angel of the church at Ephesus, write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand. Stop right there. I want you to understand that even though he's writing this letter to the church of Ephesus and that that church at Ephesus there had grown cold, yes, cold, that he still had authority, that he still had the power, he still had the right and the might in that messenger. That messenger delivered the messages that God had ordained him, anointed him. Yes, I use no holy roller term, anointed him to bring. He says that messenger is in my right hand. He's under my authority. He says I hold him in my right hand. He says who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. There it is. Jesus Christ in our midst. Right here, right now, today. He says, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say there are apostles and they are not and hast found them liars. I want you to note that there's nine different things that he commends the church of Ephesus for. Nine different things that they were doing and doing well. How does that relate to the church of the the 20th century? Let's take it another step further. Let's just draw out all the boundaries and let's say how does that affect Powell's Chapel Baptist Church. How does it affect you and me? Now, I'm not talking about the beautiful building that we have. I'm talking about you and me. We are Powell's Chapel Baptist Church. We meet here in this building. How would it look if our Lord Jesus Christ was to pen a personal letter to Powell's Chapel Baptist Church? How would it look Would it look similar to the book or to the letter that was written to the church of Ephesus, noting all the good things that we had done, how busy we are, how many committees we've got, all of the planning that we do, how that we come into the house of God and we go from one end to the other and we talk about things that we need to get done, the the next meeting that we need to have? Would that be written in that letter? Now, folks, I'm not saying that we don't need to have meetings, and I'm not saying that we don't need to have organization. We do. But when those meetings and that organization, and those, those plans start playing into the time of true worship, that's when it gets wrong. That's when it gets wrong. Whenever we set aside the worship of the Lord Jesus Christ for the things, all these plans, we've got so much to do. That's when it takes away from the worship of our Lord. Nine things. Look at what they did. You're patient. You work. You labor. You can't bear them which are evil. You've tried them which say they're apostles and they are not. You've found them liars. Good things. Wouldn't you agree? would you agree this morning that the church of Ephesus was doing some really good things? I would. Would you think this morning that with all of those good things they were doing, let's, let's, I'm going to step right down. Is that okay? Can I step right down here? I feel like I can talk to you just a little bit better. Let's talk about some of the good things. That we do we teach truth here we teach truth here we hold truth here we stand for truth here good stuff when you say the church of Ephesus did the very same thing the church of Ephesus couldn't stand the evil workers of their day when we look around about us at all the evil that is going on in this world It almost makes us heart sick. I was talking to Brother Kenneth just this morning. In this society in which we live in today, you can't even go to Walmart safely. We live in a society today where where, where birth, children are worth nothing. We live in a society today Where that the rules and the guidelines that guide this nation are almost pagan. We live in a society today when churches are whitewashed, where churches are only concerned about getting noses and nickels in the door. Do you hear me this morning? They don't care about truth. They don't care what this book says. Give me a concert. Give me a movie screen. Give me a coffee house inside of it. Give me all the good things and make sure that you write down your check as you're going out the door. A lot of them today, if you don't show up, they'll send for your check. You know why? Because their only concern is the money, the noses and nickels in our society today. There's not many churches anymore that are concerned about teaching truth, standing upon truth, and getting the gospel message out. This ministry of reconciliation which our Lord has given to us today. But you take the church of Ephesus and the modern churches of the world today. Even God forbid if it were to fall on Powell's Chapel Baptist Church. All of these good things of religion, sometimes folks, all religion does is give you a false hope. I mean, you're busy in the church. You're working. You're doing this and you're doing that. You've been a member. You've signed a visitor's card and you, you've even walked up and shaked the pastor's hand. But there's no life. There's no life. What the church at Ephesus was showing is nothing more than a Pharisee could offer. They were strong in their religion. They did good things. You know, and people think, well, as long as I do good things, I'm I'm good, right? Wrong. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ to right that wrong. They've done all these good things. In verse 4, there's a big word, nevertheless. A lot of translations have the word, but. Yes, you've done all these things, but. I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Let me give you a few examples really quick about things that can happen, okay? From a wedding to a divorce, what happens? What happens? From the time that a child is born until the time that you look at them and you say they're spoiled brats. What happened? From the time that you're taking care of a dear, aged, loved one who's gone through some type of serious ailment until the time that they become a burden to your soul. What happens? I'll tell you what happens. We get into the motions of doing. And it's the same thing in church life. If you're not real careful, the motions and just doing things will become you lose the joy of serving and worshiping the Lord and realizing His love for you and it'll be nothing more than uh, drudgery. It'll be nothing more than it's my duty to do that and before long you'll say I wish I could find somebody else to take this spot. The time will roll around when, uh, oh my goodness, I hope it's not my time in the nursery today. Or we're sitting around and we're waiting. We have those dinners. Why do we have those dinners? They're nothing but trouble. I have to clean up. We've lost our joy. We've lost the love of our Savior and we've, in, we've implanted in place of that just duty, just going through the motions, coming to church, we wake up on Sunday morning, and we yawn, complain, and we talk about the busy week we got ahead of us, and you know, God really wants me to rest today, He really wants me to take time off, and he really wants me to rest today, so I think I'm, 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 i i'm'm I think I'm, I'm due it. Yeah. I think I'm due a rest. So I'm just going to stay home. You know why? Because you've left your first love. You've got in the mechanics of religion. I'm not saying that you're not saved. Listen to me. Brother Frank loves you. I'm not saying that you're not saved. But I'm saying that if you're not careful, what can happen is you can get into just basic, well, it's Sunday morning, time to go to church. Sunday night, time to go to church. Wednesday night, it's time to go midweek service. <sighs> what happened to the time? Remember. And he gives us a remedy here for this problem. Remember. Look at what it says here in these passages. He says, nevertheless, this is verse 4. Now remember, they had all the good things going. They did all the good stuff, did it right. Their theology was good. They stood for what they believed. And they endured. They endured. Underline that instead of enjoyed. He says, nevertheless, I'm somewhat against you because you've left your first love. Verse 5, remember. What does he want you to remember? What would he have Powell's Chapel remember today? Well, maybe he would have us remember the time of our conversion. Maybe he would have you remember the day that you gave your heart and soul to the Lord Jesus Christ the day in which he quickened your heart to life, the day that he showed you that you need a Savior, the day that he, by his precious blood, washed you in it, the day that you remember that you felt relieved, your sins was gone, all that condemnation was lifted, you remember the joy you had, church, you, you remember that joy whenever you come into the house of God with energy in your step and you couldn't wait till the time of the next service. You remember that time when Bible study was not a chore. You remember that time when instead of being a chore, that you couldn't wait to have some quiet time to where you could open your Bible and sit there and fellowship with the Lord and just, I mean, just feast. And he would fill your soul. You remember that time when in prayer that you could pray an hour and you thought it was five minutes? That you and your Lord was talking and fellowshipping and you could feel his presence? You remember those times? He wants us to remember Remember where you were. Remember the joy that you had in serving the Lord. Remember the joy you had at serving one another. You see, I don't think that he's only talking about losing our love of Christ there, our first love. Forgetting it. Forgetting how much Christ loved us. How much he gave for us. I don't think he's only talking about that, Terry. I think he's talking about my love for Ronnie. I think he's talking about my love for Jimmy. And Jimmy's love for me. I think he's talking about our love for one another. I think we need to remember that. Whenever things get hard and when they get difficult, remember how much Christ loved you and how much he gave for you. And when you're thinking about, well, you don't know what that brother or that sister said to me or done to me, you don't know. Well, let me put it in comparison to this. You think about all the things you've done to Jesus Christ and he still forgave you. And we're supposed to exhibit the same kind of love for one another that Jesus Christ has exhibited for us. The same kind of forgiveness that God did for us. Mike he loved me when I he he knows more about me than I do he loved me at my worst and he still loved me that's hard to believe do we still love each other have we fallen from that love Jesus Christ wants us to remember it remember how you've been forgiven remember how he loved you Love one another with that same love. Remember. Remember where you was when you were first saved. And where are you now? Are you like the church of Ephesus? Have you left your first love? He tells us to remember. And then he tells us to repent you know what repentance is? Glad you asked. Repentance means that I'm going in one direction. I'm going in one direction now. And all of a sudden, something comes up and says, hey, you're going the wrong way. I turn around, and I go in the opposite direction. In church life, folks, Sometimes we, the children of God, can be going in the wrong direction. Just as sincere as we can be. But we're sincerely wrong. Well, preacher, now remember, I I, I want you, this thing is echoing at me. What's wrong with it? Now, preacher, I want you to to understand something here. Well, I, I want you, the church, to understand something. Number one, Brother Frank loves you. I do every one of you, every one of you telling me. But you know what? As he told the church at Ephesus that they needed to change, maybe we need to change. Maybe we need to remember. we need to repent. We need to turn around. We're going in the wrong direction. Again, the church of Ephesus was pretty theological. They were theologically correct. They were motivated. They stood by what they believed. Like most religious people are, like most saved people are. But like a lot of saved people, we get drifting away from our first love. We remember what it is that motivated us to get to the point we're at right now. And that's the love of Jesus Christ. We forgot what it is that brought us from death unto life. We forgot what it is that that has given us and granted us the forgiveness that we have and the love that we're supposed to show to one another. It's that same love that was exhibited to us from the cross of Calvary as he hung there on that tree in shame and agony. As his blood dripped down with a crown of thorns on his head, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The church of Ephesus had left left their first love. We need to do what the church, the churches in our day and time need to do is this. We need to remember where we were when God saved us. We need to remember the joy and the love that we had at that salvation. We need to repent because we've gone the wrong way. We've left Him. We're still active. We're still working hard. But there's no joy. Just drudgery. And then we need to return. Return. He says in verse number 6 that not only had they left their first love and he said if you don't return remember and repent I'm going to come and I'm going to remove the candlestick out of his place except I'll repent. You know what that candlestick is? It's a symbol of of the Spirit of God within the church. Like I told you, this morning, we're blessed this morning to have the Lord Jesus Christ still here in this assembly at Powell's Chapel Baptist Church. But as you look around the the, the country today, as you look around society today, there's churches dying out. They're closing down. They're giving in to the big organized works of religion today. Why? Because somewhere along the line, they may have been theologically correct. They may have been going down the right road, but they left their first love. And they die out because it begins to be so much treachery. And they dreaded even coming into the house of God. And that rubbed off on people and they didn't want to be around it. Thank God we still can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit here at Powell's Chapel. Baptist Church. He said he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. Now I did a little bit of research on these Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans were people who were idol worshippers. They offered uh, uh, meats unto idols. They, they, they were immoral people. Uh, they professed the name as Christian, but they were trying to introduce a new and a better way. Sound like today does it sound like today that when you walk in you say uh, where's the preacher at oh he's in another building somewhere watch him on the screen oh you don't mean I get I don't get to talk to the pastor well you can make an appointment with him we'll see if we can get him to you or have a have a, have a nice cup of coffee and, and rest and relax there's no reverence anymore coming into the house of God. You know, there was a time when people would, would come into the house of God with reverence, respect. But now, you go, and Teresa and I visited a lot of churches while we were in search, and the Lord led us to Powell Chapel. You would believe some of the things that, that we've seen. The average church in in, in the in the world today is nothing more than a social club. You might call them the frozen chosen. Churches anymore don't have time for reverence. Well, we've got too many things to do. You can't tell them from the world. The last time I checked, Todd, I don't know, but the last time I checked, the Bible teaches us as children of God, that we need to be peculiar, different. That you need to be able to look at a child of God and you need to see something different in that child of God other than what you see in the world. But you don't see that much anymore, do you? Why? They left their first love. They got into religion. Religion and religion alone. Easy believism. Come on down the aisle. Shake the preacher's hand. Do the best you can. Where is repentance and godly conviction and all of that? Most churches today don't need the Holy Spirit. They got it all worked out. They don't need it. Folks, we need it. We need the Holy Spirit. You remember, I I opened up in the first and I told you something about, you know, what happened between the wedding day and the divorce papers. And I told you that sometimes we need to go back and remember. Remember that beautiful bride that stood before you that you didn't deserve. Or them children that you've seen them when they were born and, and a few years later they're Uh, They're aggravating and they're brats. (laughs) Y'all must be able to relate to that then, right? (laughs) Remember that baby as a gift. Now believe it or not, that young man right there is my baby boy. He's a grown man. Proud of him. But he's always going to be my baby boy. See a young lady sitting right beside him? That's my daughter-in-law. I couldn't have asked for one any better. God sent me one. But that's my babies. And I got a daughter and a son-in-law and I think, think the same about. That's my babies. I don't deserve them, but God give them. Look at those babies in that light. You remember that aging relative that I told you about that you know you cherished them and then all of a sudden in their sickness they become so burdensome. Remember that cherished that you had with that relative. Remember the, the things that they brought into your life. If you're here this morning and you're Christian walk it's become nothing but a routine that it's become hard for you to keep in the faith, that you're almost ready to throw in the towel and say, what's the use? Remember the church of Ephesus and the personal letter that Jesus wrote to them. And remember from where you've fallen, where you were, And remember that man on the cross that suffered, bled, died so that you could go free. That same one that loved you in your worst state still loves you today. If you're here today and you're a child of God and you've gotten cold and indifferent, perhaps you've gotten cold and indifferent toward your Lord and toward your church family. Return. Remember. Remember the good things that that brother or sister brought into your life. Forgive. Move on. For God's sake,s brothers and sisters, let us not never lose our first love. Never let us lose our first love. Remember the Lord that loved you. And still loves you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you're here today and you, you know, you're a good person, I'm not saying you're not good persons, but there's something missing, there's something you're still searching for. You're trying to find it in in, in the world of, of religious works, doing good things. I'm not saying that doing good things is not what we should do. It is. But you need to remember that all the good things in this world that you can accomplish will still never merit you eternal life in Christ. The only thing will do that is the blood of Jesus Christ. He's what helps us overcome. Amen. Not only in salvation, but in day-to-day lives. Amen. It's the blood of Christ. Brother Rob i um,